he drove all the way in the field to our tent, woke us around midnight, and he had no English, but he was basically trying to tell us, I have a place, I have a family, and you know, you can stay with me, you don't have to sleep outside. Hey folks, welcome to the Adventure Sports Podcast. If you are listening from the United States, I hope you had a great 4th of July weekend, um, celebrated your freedom somehow. If you're listening in the UK, uh, I don't know if y'all celebrate anything for 4th of July. It was kind of a, kind of a, not a great day for y'all, I guess. <laughs> but hey, at least we're like uh, best friends now. Um, anyway, my name is Mason. This is the Adventure Sports Podcast. And yeah, we, we talk about adventures, and today's adventure actually has to do with uh, a different country altogether, the country of Georgia. We're talking to a full-time adventurer, Alexandra Bilodeau Desbians, full-time adventuring all around the world for the last seven years, and, and what I love about that is you get to see so many places. You get to see the places that are really hyped up and the places that aren't, and so many people who, who see so much of the world, we hear it time and time again. Some of their favorite experiences are are the places off the beaten path, the places where, I hear this phrase a lot specifically, you don't have any expectations. Places where you weren't trying to build up in your head or you weren't trying to, you know, get through in your head. It was just the places you, you didn't have anything to go off of. You just went. And oftentimes those places end up being our most memorable. I don't know. There's got to be something that can explain that. Um, and maybe that's a good lesson to learn in life in general. But anyway, we're going to hear... Uh, Alexander's story, great conversation. And before we get started, I wanted to make you known, uh, make you aware of one of our sponsors, Expedia, who has a show all about travel. So if you'd like to travel to Georgia yourself, which I'm absolutely interested now, especially after looking at some of the pictures that Alexander showed, they have a podcast to help help keep you motivated called Out Travel the System, and it's in its third season. It basically has a central mission to inspire and inform you about travel, which can mean anything from building out your bucket list, how-tos, as well as, you know, being inspired through other people's stories about travel or how they travel more efficiently, better, and some of the places they've been. So it's it, it, it's meant to inspire you. It's meant to prepare you. It's meant to just get you ready to travel now that that part of our lives is, is opening up again in, in, a, in a large way. So if you don't mind, take a moment, pull out your uh, podcast app after you listen to this show. Look for Out Travel This System, like and subscribe. It would really help me out. All right, let's get into the story. Here's the episode. Alexander, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mason. So I always ask this first, where are you coming from today? Um, so right now I'm in Montreal, Quebec, in Canada, currently studying to be a mountain guide. Oh, that's really cool. Now, now, did you grow up there? Is that home for you? And if not, where where is? Yeah, I grew up in Sherbrooke, which is um, just about an hour and a half from here, So, but close to Vermont, really close to the border. So, so what did you grow up doing there? Because you sent me this uh, email with just all the different sports you're into, all the things you've done around the world. And, and was that like a fa- was your family like that or, or did you have to do it on your own? Well, that's a good question. Um, 
because it just kind of happened. I mean, my mom has always been doing a lot of outdoor activities and taking me along kayaking, hiking, cycling, canoeing. I got into rock climbing. So as far as I can remember, I always had this really small hiking backpack and we'd go for really, really small trips, you know, tailored to to a child and on after school, on weekends, and then it just got bigger and bigger and you kind of wake up one day where, you know, being outdoors is where you're comfortable. It's, uh, it's what you're thinking about. That's when you, that's what you want to push. You want to see more, do a little bit more. And, uh, yeah. So I, I think I got it from my mom mostly. Yeah. So, so what did, what did your mom think when you, uh, when you finished your last semester of school, um, in France and then spent Seven years traveling. I mean, that's a long time. You know, we we get we hear a lot on this show. People, uh, you know, we, we they might spend a whole lifetime doing something like this, or they might spend, um, you know, a few months. And, and there's plenty of stories that can happen in just a few weeks, even that that's plenty of information to to talk on this show about. But for you, what 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 was the idea? What were you setting out to do when you got out of school? <laughs> Yeah, I didn't have a clear plan, to be honest. I, I went to do, like you said, uh, my last semester in the south of France. And I thought I'd finish my bachelor degree and maybe travel a few months, have some savings, you know, see the world, travel by yourself. That's always an exciting idea. But um, I thought I'd come back to do a master's the year after that. But then I started traveling, started doing... Uh, everything, hiking, rock climbing. Um, and I just loved it so much. It was just such a big, such a big change and such a, a passion every day, day after day. Uh, there was always something amazing to do. If there was not, I could just hitchhike somewhere where I could hike more or climb. It just went like that month after month and year after year, actually. So I didn't tell anyone that I would be going to travel for years or even seven years because I didn't know. That wasn't the plan at all at first. I thought a few months. So my parents eventually, I mean, they had to, they were happy for me, but um, they had to adapt. I mean, if they wanted to see me, they basically took their holidays wherever I was in the world. So so my dad in Italy and in China. So my mom in Nepal, in Hawaii. Were, were they happy to come visit? Yeah, I mean, they were really happy. I didn't, um, I, we say the apple didn't fall far from the tree. Um, <laughs> that they were really happy to have new places to visit every year. I think sometimes the logistics of it was a bit more complicated depending on where I was. But I think it was just a great opportunity to see some new new countries, new cultures, and then to travel together again. Uh, that was amazing, yeah. So what were some of the things you were doing while you were going out? What were, what were some of the things you were trying to either achieve or some of the experiences you were trying to have while you were traveling? Well, I, I'm a very curious person. I really like to try new things some some things i'm not comfortable with or some things i ignore 
everything about. So I would always kind of push myself to try something new. A few examples of that would be I got to China and after a year of traveling, got from, from France to China overland, and I, I needed some money if I wanted to keep traveling, right? So uh, my account was <laughs> near empty. And I realized I could probably work in China and teach English, although I'm not a teacher and English is not my first language. Um, but I had no idea if I could do it or if I would enjoy it at all. So decided to give it a shot, told myself, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to last three months. If I can do three months, I'll be happy with myself. And I actually ended up loving it, uh, ended up being a fairly good teacher, I think I, I could say, and stayed there for a year until I had enough savings to, to keep on traveling. So I always tried wherever I went to, to do some new things. In the Philippines, took a month, uh, rented a little room on the beach and a surfboard and learned how to surf uh, in Thailand, took a one-month intensive uh, traditional Thai massage course to get a certification in there. Um, I always tried to do stuff like that and mixed it up with outdoor stuff. So lots of hiking, ended up doing more and more through hikes as the time and years went by. I really realized that was something I was really into, really enjoyed it. I discovered it uh, while traveling in Turkey. I did my first uh, through hike there, well, quite a long hike in the south of Turkey. And I just fell in love with the idea, with the feeling of hiking alone and just crossing such a vast distance in a country. So... The, there was a lot of different things I would do depending on where I was, whether what I could do there, um, depending on the country and the culture. But I always tried to bring some outdoor sports or activities in there. So, so what do you what do you think about trekking and backpacking drew you in versus some of the other things that you were doing? I really like, I really got to enjoy slow travel. I traveled with a few people and I'm, you probably have as well that have FOMO, fear of missing out. And sometimes I, I think I had it at first a little bit, but at some point I just got to accept that there's too many things to see. There's too many things to do. And I might as well just take the time to enjoy whatever I have here, wherever I am. And um, hiking is such a good way of focusing on that. I mean, you can't go faster than what your body allows you. And it gets you to go actually quite slowly through a country or a region that you can meet the locals, you can talk with them, you can get invited to stay at their place or at least to eat with them, which abroad actually happens quite a lot. So there's this cultural part of the slow travel that I really, really enjoyed. And um, when I did uh, the Lycian Way in the south of Turkey, uh, which is about roughly 500 kilometers hike, it's a historical region of Turkey. So there's a lot of ruins. There's a lot of history there, 
a lot of great culture, but also the landscapes are fantastic. And there's not a lot of hikers. There's really not a lot. I think in uh, in the weeks, few weeks it took me, I might have met a handful uh, at best. Uh, so you're alone a lot of the time. And I really, really enjoy that. How you, the, the solitude of it, how you can't share it with anyone, how you basically kind of condemned to enjoy it and take all of it. Um, you just yourself with the wilderness. There's no distraction. There's no one to talk to. There's nothing else to do really. Um, and it really gets you in the, in the present moment. Um, so th I think that's, that's when I really fell in love with the way of traveling. That, that, you know, I, I'm a huge fan of that as well, to be able to really experience a place. I, I, I like the pace of cycling. Um, I'm not very fast yeah. cyclist, so, you know, I'm, I'm not going too fast anyway, but walking, hiking itself is even slower and even more in tune with nature and in tune with, there's less friction between you and locals. And that is, uh, I'm sure that is just the most incredible way to experience a place is literally physically walking through it. Um, and with all your travels and with all the experiences you've had all over the world, you, you, you mentioned this through hike in, in Georgia being one of the most impactful, if not the most impactful. Can, can you tell us about where that idea came from, this, this self-made through hike through the country of Georgia? What were some of the experiences? What was it like? And, and why do you think it was so impactful to you? Yeah, that, that was like you said, a self-made through hike. <laughs> at first, so you didn't you didn't follow a trail. No, not at all. Well, there there were a few, very few trails at the beginning for the few, uh, I don't know, maybe three days. So basically, it started it started after that hike in Turkey. The first time I did it, I then traveled on to to Georgia, and I had a month to spend there before I had a Trans Siberian ticket in Russia. So I had a month to spend in Georgia. I ended up working in a, in a small guest house in the capital. And the owner was a, a Polish guy. And he kept telling me about the north of the country, the Caucasus mountain range on the border with Russia. And he showed me pictures and photos of the mountains. It was, it was like a, nothing I'd seen before, really, like massive 5,000 meter mountains, but not a lot of trees, just a lot of green grass and flowers, and then all of a sudden glaciers on it. It was quite something. It really stuck with me. So at the end, I decided to go hike just a few days before I had to, to cross into Russia. And I fell in love with the landscapes. It was just so amazing, hiking all day on, on all those ridges and passing the summits with really like no tourists really at that time. So I, I really, really had a great experience at first. And Georgia is an amazing country. The people are just so generous. They don't receive a lot of Westerners yet as tourists. And um, they're kind of bridging Europe and Asia. So it's in a very interesting mix culturally. Uh, the food is amazing. It's the birthplace of wine. 
we often think it might be France or Italy, but it's actually Georgia. So everyone, every little shop has a plastic bottle of homemade wine behind a counter somewhere. And as soon as they see you, they just take it out, give you a glass. So the hospitality is incredible. So all of that together, uh, I had to leave to go to Russia, but I thought to myself, I want to go back to Georgia. There's so much hiking to do. The mountains are just pristine. I want to see I want to see the mountains and I want to see all of them. That was really the idea I had in mind. I want to see all of it. Um, I won't be satisfied with just another three or four days hike. So I ended up traveling to China, staying there for a year, traveling down to Asia, uh, down Asia for about another year, then working in Australia for several months. I had to decide where I wanted to go next to travel from Australia. I had a girlfriend at that point, and we decided, well, let's let's give a shot at going to Georgia. She had never been to Georgia, and I had been thinking about it more and more. And one idea that came to my mind, uh, a bit crazy at the time, was like, well, if I want to see all of it, why not walk the whole country? Wow. So we decided we'd, um, we'd do a test first because we had never been together in person, my girlfriend and I. So we met in Istanbul in Turkey, and we went to do that Lysian Way hike in the south of Turkey, uh, 500 kilometers. So that was kind of the, the test or the warm-up. And um, after that, we traveled to Georgia, went to the capital, bought some maps. But, you know, Georgia is an um, ex-Soviet country, so it doesn't have all the infrastructure in, uh, outside the capital as other European countries can have. Um, and the maps is a very good example of that. There's almost no map, especially no hiking map of the whole country or uh, only a tiny couple tiny regions so we had to kind of piece it all together decide with google maps and all the research we could do where would we go there was no hike for that like you said there's no trail for that so we took about a couple two weeks i think two weeks in the capital got an itinerary built up and then we headed out for the north, got to the Russian border, and um, started hiking from there. One one thing that was interesting is that Georgia is a fairly small country and also only has about three and a half million people. So the cities that we see on the map are actually quite small, except for the capital. So we had planned our trail or hike to go around the cities because we wanted only to go through small villages right we didn't want to go to be stuck in big cities we wanted to see the backcountry and the wilderness and the locals where no one goes really uh, but after after maybe a week or two weeks we realized that the biggest cities we had on our itinerary were tiny villages with absolutely nothing. It was just like two dirt roads with no shops, with no way of, oh my God. you know, having a shower, buying more food, doing nothing. It was just farms in the hills and the mountains. So we had to change completely 
uh, everything. So we could go through what we thought at first were some big cities, but I think the biggest we went through was uh, maybe 18,000 people. That was that was a big one. So it was it was quite an adventure to have to deal with the logistics of it. Same thing, same thing with the food, because going out in the kind of off the beaten track, if you want, there's not a lot of tourists go there, and especially not a lot of hikers. Uh, many many places we stayed had never seen Canadians in their life. Um, the food was was a big thing for us. We had to hike in sections of two, three, four days of autonomy and then resupply the food somewhere. But then we realized if there's no tourists, if it's not as developed or populated, then there's no supermarket, there's no market, there's no convenience store. So we got to like the biggest cities we could. And when we were lucky, there was like one small restaurant. We'd go inside and then order a whole chicken and just take it apart ourselves, pack it in a, in a Tupperware. Uh, we bought eggs and asked the restaurants to boil them for us. We ordered a homemade pizza, cut it into pieces to pack it in our bags. So that's, that's how we had to find solutions for all the logistics of being, of, of kind of creating a hike. You know, I, I love to hear that it was hospitable because, or there was so much hospitality because, uh, you know, the, the, the state of Georgia is known for that as well, Southern hospitality. And so maybe it's something with the name, uh, Georgia, yeah, yeah. Know, just being hospitable. Um, I, I, it sounds like it was so impactful because it, it felt almost like you had discovered it in a way compared to maybe some other places you had been around the world that were I don't know, maybe you had more of an idea of what to expect. I always find the places I enjoy the most in the long run and I have the most fond memories are places I, I didn't go into it thinking, knowing what it was going to be or having these notions of what I think it's going to be and kind of being surprised by how wonderful it is. It, it seems like that might have happened with you with Georgia too. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Um, I, yeah, yeah. It probably happened to you as well, like you're seeing on uh, on some trips, where you kind of have an idea of some of the places you're gonna go, but then you get you get surprised by other places you hadn't really thought about or were not that much on your radar. And well, when I went to Georgia the first time, that's exactly what happened. I had absolutely no expectations. For Georgia and it was just a big wow this place has it all for me so going back was kind of trying to to see all right I I spent a month there but uh, only hiked less than a week and I was just blown away by the country the hospitality and the, the scenery so let's see what else it has to to offer and really didn't disappoint it was actually i think much more than i could have expected there was so many moments where we would just be hiking on some on some dirt road and a big old russian truck would stop next to us um 
and and people don't don't really speak English. Maybe some of the younger people in the in the capital, but apart from that, the second language for everyone is Russian. So people would just stop like that, open the the truck door, hand us some fresh fruits, just smile, wave their hands, and they wouldn't wait to try to talk to us. They didn't expect anything. They would just they would just see us and realize clearly we're not from around there. And they were just being being nice, being generous and hospitable. We got uh, waken up in the middle of the night because we were high, uh, we were camping in a in a big field, and a guy just drove by on a on a dirt road a few hundred meters. I do, I still don't know how he saw us. Maybe he'd seen us um, when the sun was still up, and he thought I'll come back if they still. If they still decide to sleep there, and um, he drove all the way in the field to our tent, woke us woke us up around midnight, and he had no English, but he was basically trying to tell us, "I have a place, I have a family, and you know you can stay with me. You don't have to sleep outside. You just come to my home." And we had to make him understand like this, this is what we like. This is what we do. Like this is really nice offer. Oh, wow. Uh, like the, the hospitality was always like that, always kind of happening to us. You don't have to ask for anything. People are just generally being really nice and welcoming. I really, really enjoy that. Um, Let's take a quick message break and hear from the folks that help make this show possible. That is plenty of that for now. Let's get back into the episode. Sounds wonderful, honestly. And you're right. Georgia has everything. It's, it has the ocean. It has enormous mountains, some of the biggest in Europe. And it, it, it's, it's small enough to be able to hike across in a relatively short amount of time. So, so, so tell, us about, tell us about the experience. You were piecing together roads and trails and making your own way, trying to find towns with enough services to resupply um tell us about what it was like what were some of the highs of the experience yeah so the the north northern part of the country is the Caucasus mountain range so the border with russia goes on uh, passes along those mountains so that's that's really really beautiful region and it's a little bit easier to hike because many places around there actually have uh, hiking trails. So we pieced together a few of them um, to start from a, from a glacier and then head down. And then we had to decide which way we would go if we headed straight down to Armenia. And um, when we decided to change our itinerary, that was, that was a big part of it because we had to cross some mountainous regions and actually head or aim at a city because we realize we will need some food at some point. So we will find a direction where we will um, get to a city at some point. And then there's, there's a lot of history in Georgia as well. So we tried to, to go through a few villages or towns where we could... Um, we could take advantage of that and see some stuff like the um, uh, 
city, like, um, how do you say, where they, they made a wine. Um, there's a famous city in the north where they made uh, Stalin's favorite wine. So there's a lot of little interesting places like this we wanted to go. And then there's a fairly famous national park more in the middle, closer to Armenia, uh, that we wanted to go through. There's quite wild as well. So we always kind of got together everything we had because nothing was complete. Google Maps, maps.me, all different apps, uh, the maps, paper maps we found and tried to make sense of what was possible to do because we several times ended up just following a little what looks like a forest trail or hiking trail or dirt roads in the mountains and then there was nothing. You just end up in the wilderness, it kind of stops there, and you have no idea where to go from there. So it, that, that was that was always a little bit of a challenge. But many times you just meet someone. Uh, I remember one time we ended up in exactly that situation. We're in the mountains. We're following kind of a dirt track, and it ends on the side of a really steep, not a cliff, but a really steep side of a mountain, we realize we can't go down there. That's the end of the trail, but there's a fence and there seems to be a house behind the trees. And there's, there's this man that comes to, to see us. He has this white fence with a white gate and he tries to explain something to us, but we can't understand. He doesn't speak English at all. So he takes a, he goes back into his house and comes back with a big black permanent marker and on his white gate starts drawing a map of the whole region with all the roads and tracks. And uh, basically to have us understand that's where you are, this is my house, and that is actually not where you want to be. You want to go back this way and tell us everything without any concern for his white gate. So he, yeah, he ended up uh, inviting us into his backyard, serving us lunch, all, lots of homemade food with a homemade honey because he was a beekeeper and homemade jam and bread and cheese. His mom came out and he, he wouldn't speak English. He didn't speak English. We had a little translation um, well, like using uh, Google Translate for Georgian to English or Russian to English. And um, yeah, he just fed us homemade wine as usual and then gave us um, one liter of his best honey for us in a glass bottle, which is always fantastic when you're hiking. <laughs> but um, A whole liter yeah. too. That's a lot of honey. <laughs> yeah, it is a lot. It lasted quite a while. Um, yeah, so th that was kind of what happened on a daily basis, you couldn't exactly know where you're going to end up because the trail you're following might just end randomly and you might end up completely lost. Uh, you might meet some people and then they offer you, they, they, inv they would invite the whole family in the backyard and get some alcohol out and then it's a big event each time. So... We, we took about 29, yeah, we took 29 days of walking, uh, 55 days total to cross the country because we wanted to have a lot of rest to, you know, see the places. We didn't want to just uh, go through without seeing uh, anything. But yeah, so about a month of 
pure walking. Uh, but it, it was a bit of a guess. I mean, each day, what is going to happen? Where are we going to go? We didn't have um, good maps. We didn't have internet reception, uh, in, uh, cell phone reception most of the time. So it, it was an adventure, really, to, um, to go through like that. What would you say was most surprising that you, you learned about Georgia or experienced on, on the hike itself? I think what surprised me the most is how little it, it is visited. How, I think it's getting more known from the public now. Um, because it has so much to offer. And another thing which kind of goes together is um, the food tradition, the cuisine, the Georgian cuisine is absolutely amazing. There's, um, there's a lot of kind of Russian influence, but also a lot of Middle East influence and Europe. It's a really good intersection between all the cultures around, which are all very different from each other. And you get fantastic dishes. And as soon as you're invited somewhere, as soon as you go eat some local food, uh, you, you get really surprised because that is at the same time so different from what we no, I mean, in Canada, we'll have a lot of uh, different Asian restaurants and European restaurants and uh, some Middle East, but nothing like that, really. Uh, so that that was really surprising to me. I mean, even the wine, the wine is very different. It's extremely old tradition, about 8,000 years old, I think, but it's very different. So it's fermented underground in clay urns. Uh, so the taste of it is quite different. There's a lot of um, cloudy wine, uh, sweet red wine as well. Um, so that's something I definitely, definitely did not expect from Georgia. But I mean, for me, who loves to eat, I have a big appetite. And I mean, if I have a good meal that can absolutely make my day, that that is really really good country to travel to sounds like you want to go back too yeah absolutely i mean uh, as i said before the idea was to to see all of it well that's impossible so there's still a lot to see there's still a lot of, a lot of regions to see and you know when you when you travel slowly as I am 100% sure you've experienced several times you meet people and then you make friends. And that's, that's amazing because then you can, you can stay in touch. You can go back. You have, you have friends in many different places in the world. Um, and then they can tell you about their country or where they live. They can tell you about the good places and they can take you uh, to see some places more of the beaten tracks. So, so that's kind of what happens now, uh, knowing a few people in Georgia, uh, have kind of a, I want to say special relationship with, the <laughs> with the country where, um, it's, it's almost, I, I would like it to be, um, to be a second home. I'd be happy to go back multiple times. Uh, there's, there's just so much to do so much, um, unexplored 
in the country. Yeah, it's it's a really good place, and it also it gives you an idea, I think, of the region because all the countries around are not the most visited as well. So the south of Russia, or Azerbaijan, Armenia, they're they're all really they all really share this hospitality tradition, uh, from my experience at least. Has it made you, you know, with all your experiences, it made you say, what other places might I be either overlooking in my research or where I want to go or need to see again in this way? Uh, I'm sure, I'm sure there is a huge list. Like you said, you can drive yourself crazy by all the places you, you are not right now and you haven't been before. So, um, does, does it, does it interest you to check out another place that might be similar? Oh, absolutely. You're hundred percent right. Yeah. Uh, that, that actually might be the one thing that will kind of, uh, hold me back from going back to Georgia, um, sooner than I will because there, there's so many places to see. And this experience of, of through hiking on a, on a self-made hike, um, showed me that it is actually possible. It's not easy. It really isn't easy. And you have, you probably cannot do that everywhere. It has to be, um, someplace, um, with that kind of terrain or culture, but there's so many places I would like to, to do that and then necessarily cross a whole country. But if we talk about central Asia, so, Kyrgyzstan, I've been, but for just a really short time, that's definitely somewhere um, I would like to to try something of the sort. Um, Siberia, Iran, uh, Kashmir, Kazakhstan, uh, Romania. It really got me to think about traveling and the countries where I would go in a different way, trying to see if there were some some countries or mostly some regions in the countries that I could cross or that I could walk through. Um, not necessarily to just, you know, um, check something on the list, not to say I've crossed Romania uh, on foot, but maybe some, some mountain range or in Morocco can be really interesting to use hiking to see all of it, but also to meet the people that live in the smaller places and that don't have, uh, that don't meet tourists and travelers as often as, you know, the big cities and the more touristic places. So, yeah, I think uh, I'm really drawn to Siberia quite a bit, but you were talking about cycling and uh, I know you've done some uh, some pretty amazing cycling trips. I, I agree that it's kind of the same, the same idea. You can do this slow travel and see a place and meet its meet its people while cycling. So that's also uh, I also have uh, a few ideas like that to um, to cycle. Maybe some countries it would be um, would be easier to do it like that. It, it makes carrying a leader of honey in a glass jar a little easier that's for sure. <laughs> and you can get you get to enjoy yeah. the downhills a little bit more but i i love oh, it yeah. i love it because it's almost like you're riding a horse in the sense of 
it's like riding a horse in the sense of what you can carry, but you also get to stay in shape like you do with you when you walk it. Yeah. But um, it's a good mix. But uh, and if you don't have the time to spend, it's a great way to still be out in the open experiencing all the weather, all the smells, all the all the people. It's never too you're never going too quick where you can't chat with somebody. Um, yeah. But well, I tell you what, you now it's now you know you've been stuck in Montreal, um, having to wait for COVID uh, to kind of see what's going to happen and let the world open back in. What what are you itching to do now? What is what is on your radar? Well, that's uh, that's that's such a tough question. I mean, I have this this kind of list of places I want to go, of things I want to do. Um, I had some. Before COVID hit, um, my girlfriend and I, we were guiding in India. Um, we had about a year and a half, well, yeah, a bit more than a year of traveling planned, going through um, several several places, hiking, like uh, name some of them, like Morocco and Romania, Nepal. Um, I've been to Nepal, but there's so much to do in the remote regions as well. So all these plans that are, are kind of on standby for now, just waiting to see what's going to happen. But, you know, as, as someone who likes adventures, I, I'm sure you experience the same thing. If you, if you sit back for too long, just waiting, you kind of start making new plans and more and more and just thinking about it. So my list is just getting longer and longer and, when when we can start traveling again, I don't know how I'm going to choose from all the places I want to go. Um, there's a, there's a I discovered um well, I didn't discover but I learned about a hike in the Balkans in the, from I think around Greece to the border of Italy and Croatia something like that. Um, so that's that's another thousand three hundred kilometers hike that was just added to the list. There's a lot. There really is a lot of hikes and uh, trips that I want to do. So, I, to be honest, I don't know how I'm going to choose. I'm not there yet, so I don't have to. But uh, it's going to be a tough decision. It's frustrating how much there is to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, the world is such a big place. And as you were talking about earlier, sometimes you, you travel to places you have, you have some highlights in mind. There's some places you really want to do. You want, you really want to go. Um, you have some dreams. I had, I had the dream of going to Turkey, but didn't realize I would be even more amazed by the country just next to it, Georgia. I had a dream of going to Mongolia, but had no expectations whatsoever for China. But Really, China just blew my mind. It's a fantastic place, um, mostly because, well, uh, it's such a rich culture, and I didn't know anything about it. I mean, we know very little, although we hear a lot about it. It's mostly politics, really. So, um, so I was amazed by this this place. And the more you do that, the more you look at a map, and you're like, you know what? I've never heard about this tiny place or this region, or, you know, this, this country, even, even Mexico is a good example. I mean, for, for Canadians, you hear about Mexico, I mean, economically and politically, but not a lot of people know that in, 
in the middle and the south of Mexico, there's some really high regions in the mountains where the forests resemble the Canadian forests um, a lot. So there's, yeah, the the world is uh, is, is full of places uh, that can kind of surprise you, but you don't expect it. So I'm kind of looking for those places now. I'll just share a quick story. I don't do this much, but we did a, a with the company I work for. We did a cross country bike ride from from around New York City to uh, San Diego last summer, and I was driving the support vehicle the whole time. It was a company trip, so we had you know to photography and, and and marketing and stuff to do. And um, people asked me what was the best part of the trip or what was your you know your favorite state to go through, and I don't know you know how much of of the states and the culture around them you know about but i tell people my most enjoyable state that i enjoyed the most was ohio and it's completely flat it's farmland you know it's <laughs> it's like going across you know somewhere in the middle of canada just you know uneventful yeah. in most ways it, it is it isn't the west you know it isn't like the canadian rockies or the american rockies and all the glory of that and the beauty of the, the animals it was it was, I had no expectations of Ohio because I had never been there before. And it was awesome. The people were incredible, generous. The, 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 the experience that the weather was just amazing. And it was probably just hitting it at the right time and, and the right combination of things happened to where I look back on it so fondly. And I say, you know, that, that, that the pace of life there, the, the, just the, the the people that we saw it, it, it you might go back through again one day and it might not be the same experience but for this experience that was the most enjoyable aspect and ohio is by no means a destination to go <laughs> most of the time <laughs> it, it's it's not known as uh as the the best uh tourist destination when right. we, when we go to the states but... Yeah, yeah, I agree it's it, it's small moments or places like this that you you just don't expect and can really, really surprise you. Sometimes it's just uh, a few moments that will make the trip. Exactly. Those are, those are the times you, you remember. Absolutely. Yeah. In the south of Turkey, the first time I did the hike, there was, there was also a, a time like this a little bit. I, there was a section of the hike. There was just hills. Um, I had to hike, I don't know, two, three days before meeting the next village and then another maybe uh, one or two days. So I had planned to resupply there, but it didn't seem to me to be any, you know, historical ruins or mountains or nothing really, uh, just hills and fields. So I set out on that section hiking and I end up at the, at the small village where I had to resupply and realize it's just two dirt roads crossing a few maybe a dozen houses hills and fields and one mosque in the middle and nothing else so I'm kind of puzzled where what am I going to do like what what is this place I was getting a bit um, discouraged because it was really hot I was hungry I was thirsty had almost no water left um, and I had to buy some food Clearly, I couldn't find any. There was no store whatsoever. So I thought, ah, oh, this, this is bad. Um, and I was really in a, not in the, in the right 
mindset, I think, at uh, that moment. But then I, I met a guy walking on the road, and I tried to ask him with uh, my very basic Turkish um, if there's any place, anywhere I could buy some food. And he says, no, there's really, there's nothing here. And I'm trying to explain to him all the way where I'm going on the next day, where I'm walking to, I have to get some food um, if I want to make it, if I want to eat tonight, basically. So he just asked me to follow him. He brings me to a house and behind the house, there's about, I don't know, 15 men sitting outside on plastic chairs and uh, a big table full of fresh food in the middle. And they all, they all look to be in their 50s or older. Um, they're all sitting there chatting in Turkish. I don't understand much. But um, the one man who looks to be, seems to be the owner of the house, just brings me a chair next to the table and just gestures me to eat, eat whatever you want, eat as much as you want. So I'm really happy. I'm blown away by the hospitality. Once again, I'm like, wow, this is amazing. I don't know you. You don't know me. We've just met. You don't even know my name. We don't even speak the same language, but you're just feeding me at your table. So I just start eating. And then he tries to kind of translate a few, a few questions, a few comments, a few things about the place and ask me. So all the men, they start to, uh, you know, be interested in what's happening. Who's this young guy there? Where's he coming from? Uh, just getting out the mountains like that with a backpack. Um, so he's trying to translate to them the answers um, that I'm giving and my trip. And I try to get to understand what's happening here. Well, I can't get my question across really. Um, and about half an hour later, I I ate, well, quite a bit. There was lots of food. So I tried to ask again, so why? And then I, I gesture, like I, I kind of show everyone in the circle why everyone here now, today. And he looks at me and he's like, um, my father. Um, and then he puts his hands together next to his head, like resting on it. And he says, kaput. So then I understand that I'm basically crashing his father's funeral. Um, and they, they didn't think about it. They didn't care. They just invited me. Uh, they just fed me. They were just curious and really interested. And then, uh, so we start you know, talking about that, about his dad while well, trying to. And then the imam uh, arrived and we just all sat together, did a, did a little prayer. And when I had to go, they just filled my backpack with so much food, so much food. I actually had to give some to a couple homeless people that I met the next day because there was just too much for me to carry. So that that was such an unexpected moment. That was just a time where I was kind of down and discouraged by oh, the the task or where I was, what I had to do. And you know, sometimes it just on a in a in a very short moment, everything turns around and it makes a whole day, the whole trip. Mm, it, it makes it worth it. Yeah, that's a wonderful story. Being able to yeah, just show up at someone's funeral without knowing it, the hospitality, the generosity, the that's what life's about. That is awesome. 
And, and for folks, if you've never experienced anything like that, I believe you'd agree, like, please get out there, put yourself out there to experience how good humanity is to one another. When you're out on an adventure, sometimes that's the only medium that we can be out in to, to experience these things. I, I know I've experienced it countless times, and it completely changes your view on the world. Most people are this way, and you got to put yourself out there to experience it. Turn off the TV, get out there. If you're not already doing this yourself. Yeah, I think you're, you're absolutely right. And hiking and cycling is, they're just such a good way to do it. You know, you, you just show up or pass by and everyone, everyone is just interested in curious. It's, it's such a great way of meeting yeah. people and seeing the world. Yeah. And, and if you can't do that right now, guess what? You can be the person doing the feeding, doing the, doing the, you know, being hospitable. Um, yeah, that's the state yeah. of life I'm in right now. So I, I need to find more opportunities to be that person for folks. Um, but w w was there anything else you wanted to share? Any, any updates on, uh, what you're doing to pursue an outdoor career? Well, um, I'm gonna, I, I'm studying to be, uh, I'm basically, uh, training to be mountain guide or, you know, outdoors guide at the moment. So, I really don't have a plan for the moment because of the situation. You know, COVID is, uh, it's pretty tough to know what future is going to bring for us here. I'm just focusing on next summer at the moment. And uh, we'll see after that. There's so many, so many possibilities once the world is open again to traveling. So I'll, take it uh, at that point. Well, Alexander, this has been an awesome chat. Uh, you make me want to go to Georgia, the country that is. Georgia the state, that's pretty yeah. cool. It's the beginning of the Appalachian Trail, which is nice, but I'd like to go to this country. It sounds incredible. It is. I I'm sure I'm sure the state is is great as well. I've never been, but uh, I've had my my eyes set on the Appalachian Trail for um for a few years now, so I hope I'll be able to go as well. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't think the mountains are near, nearly as big, but uh, it, it, it is a cool experience. It definitely is a cool experience. But, well, Alexander, thank you. I, I'm, I'm going to go now, but I, I appreciate you reaching out and appreciate you coming on the show. This was, this was an awesome talk. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Mason. First of all, Thank you so much for listening. It means the world to us that you choose to listen to this show. If you'd like to help us further, you can leave a review on iTunes, share us with your friends, your family. It goes a long way to grow in the show. You can also support us financially through patreon.com slash adventure sports podcast. Link is in the show notes. And also, if you have an idea of who could be a good guest for the show, we're always looking for people to tell their story uh, about the outdoors or adventure. So if you know someone, please reach out. Email us at info at adventuresportspodcast.com. And until then, get out there and have some fun. <laughs>